When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. It is Fred White off the top with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Let's get it rolling. Welcome to the program. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. A huge recruiting weekend for the balls. We'll get to all the prospects you need to know about. Also, Tennessee with a new addition to their coaching staff. And as always, it's a football Friday with Fred White. By the way, what is going on with uh, Colorado? It appears as if the Pac-12 has absolutely exploded. Fred White joins us right off the top of Football Friday with Fred, and it's brought to you by our friends at Allstate Insurance. Fred White joins us. And, Fred, you're looking dapper as always. I like the cap. I like the dog. Is that is that a, is that a smoky dog, as Eric Berry's dad called it? You know it. It's a smoky dog, baby. That's what it is. Gotcha. Blue tick hound. A blue tick hound. That's absolutely right. But have you seen the video where Eric Berry gives his dad a blue tick hound? Yeah, we call it the Smoky Dog. Yeah, That's what we call it. Oh, okay, I thought it was cool. I didn't. I, it was. It was super cool. Uh, so that uh, speaking of Smoky, Smoky hot takes coming up. Who would be in the Mount Rushmore of Tennessee coaches? And uh, we'll get to that later in the program. But, uh, Fred, first of all, good morning, <coughs> sir. If people need insurance, how do they get a hold of you? They, they can go on our website at fredwhiteallstate.com. They can also go on, call, give us a call at 770-381-0367. We're also on Instagram under also Fred White Allstate, as well as Facebook and Twitter. So we got all the handles there. So give us a call or check us out online on social media. And we'll be happy to help you. Dale, it is a huge recruiting weekend. You're in Georgia. You're from Georgia. I'm just curious from that area, because that's always going to be a key for Tennessee in recruiting. How are the Vols viewed now as opposed to pre-Hypel? Oh, well, we, 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 we're a threat now. I think guys know that. I think most people know that. Beating Alabama last year made that apparent that we're back. Um, and selling out all, all your season tickets this early, you know, before the season even starts and everything, this is another big thing. And we also won the champions 
cup for the, you know, for SEC. We won all these championships and, you know, our teams are doing very well. Um, academically, we're doing very well also. So I think what we are doing right now at the University of Tennessee is amazing. But I will say, we still don't have the respect of the Georgia people just yet. We got some of their respect, but not enough. Um, that'll come once we beat them, though. So you mean the Georgia fans, or are there still people, like prospects, that are wondering about Tennessee? Who are you referring to? Oh, no, no, no. I think the prospects are looking at us and thinking, okay, Tennessee's on the rise. And it's very exciting to play there. Um, the home games are just electric and magnified. Um, I think that recruits see us, and they're paying attention to what we have, especially if you're a receiver or a running back, um, even defensive guys, you know we need that type of help right now. Um, but if you're, a, if you're a quarterback or a wide receiver or a running back, one of the top ones in the country, this is one of the places you want to play because we put a lot of points up and we throw a lot, throw the ball all over the field. Um, if you're a receiver and you don't look at Tennessee, I think you're, something's wrong with you. Uh, we, we do put we put three, two guys in this past year, um, a third round and a fourth rounder, but I think those guys could have easily been first-round picks. If you get some of that top talent in the Tennessee, and you'll see some of those guys going first and second round. One of the things on our Celebrate 98 series, and that's on the YouTube channel, so please hit the like and subscribe button. Have your notifications on because we'll have Sean Ellis, Steve Johnson, several players coming up next week. And Fred, one of the things that I found interesting from talking to some of those guys, even the defensive guys, well, we've talked to mostly defensive guys to this point, but that the Peyton Manning effect in recruiting was real. So even though you play defense when you see josh heupel's offense that can still have a big big impact on your decision to go to ut right absolutely i've been coming to visit tennessee and it's my first time ever coming to tennessee was florida 1995 and um 94 rather and i remember seeing Peyton manning come in the game i remember watching that game and tennessee got beat 30 to nothing and they were getting beat 30 to nothing at the half and it was just like, man, this is – I've never seen a crowd like this. They were still in the game, screaming for their team. And, and I remember my brother, my older brother, saying to me, that's Peyton Manning. That's Eli – that's um, Archie Manning's son. Hall, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, I know he's going to be good. And we had read a lot about him and, you know, a lot of different things. But knowing that he was on that campus, knowing you have a quarterback that's going to be solidified at some point, even though he wasn't – great his rookie his freshman year uh early on but you can see the flashes of it and it made you look at it and say okay when Peyton came in they had a number one recruiting class and they had some of the top receivers in the country come there you knew you were going to win games and one of the reasons why I wanted to come to Tennessee was because I felt like we had an opportunity to win national championships and SEC championships and that having that quarterback in place was a big part of it so yeah I think he did play a big part of us getting other guys to come in Offensive linemen, running backs, all those type of things. You look at the Jamal Lewis and the Travis Henry and the Travis Stevens coming to Tennessee. Travis Stevens, you could possibly think about, okay, well, he's from Tennessee. But Jamal Lewis and, and um, Travis Stevens, Travis Henry, rather, are from Georgia and Florida. Peyton Manning being our quarterback paid a huge part of them coming. Yeah, and that was it was the it was the Georgia guys that changed everything. You yes. and then Cozy and Dion and Jamal. And I, f I find it interesting that 
Jamal was a big driving force in that from talking to Dion earlier this week. So we'll, we'll get to all that on the Celebrate 98 series. And that's brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. So certainly check them out. Fred, um, with this offense, though, and I, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I could be dead wrong, and you know you can call me out and call me dead wrong if I'm dead wrong. But would any defenders say, hey, man, I've got to play – 80 plays a game because this offense is moving so fast. And I'd rather be at a place that was more ball control. Could you see a defensive player saying that? Could it in any way the offense be a negative at all? No, because that means you get more tackles. If they can't <laughs> score, you, they can't win. What do you mean? You just stop them. You get three and outs all the time. If you're supposed to be a good defensive player, I don't care. How many, as many opportunities I have to get plays, guess what that means for me? More opportunity for me to make plays. Plain and simple. That's it. That's what it means. It means I get to make plays. That's it. Fred, Fred is the absolute best. Uh, Caleb, I want you to take over. Fred is the absolute best with saying, Dave, that's stupid. Without saying, Dave, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he just comes out. He's like, okay, dummy. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't say that. No, nope. but, but, you, but if, if if you're a defensive player and you're coming to a place like Tennessee and you're thinking, well, they burn too many offensive plays, I don't want you here anyway. That means your ass is lazy. Stay where you at. Go somewhere else. That's good stuff, Fred. When I talk to you guys, I appreciate and understand my ignorance in some matters. So you, I can be, I can be ignorant, but I'll try to be more <laughs> more learned for sure. All right, Caleb, take over. Fred, I spoke with Dave on the phone earlier this week about my thoughts on this, and, and, and I want to get you, I want to get you in on this because you know Josh Heupel, the way he the the system that Tennessee's running is obviously so up tempo. I mean, it's honestly I've called it kind of controlled chaos to a certain degree. But I would like to ask: Dare we go a little blasphemous and say that General Nealon's first game maxim is a bit outdated now? The team that oh. makes a few mistakes will win. And you guys already proved that in the 97 Auburn game. Y'all made more mistakes and y'all still won. <laughs> I, I, but, but if we go through the entire season like that, his, it's still true. You can't go through an entire season in every game you play, and that is the case. That's not, that's not possible. I think every team, regardless if it's high school, pros, or college, I think that makes a big difference. The team that makes the fewest mistakes will win. And it's not just big mistakes that you're talking about. You're also talking about alignment and assignment. If a guy's lined up correctly, if a guy's in the wrong gap, we talked about that on our um, on our series '98, uh, celebrate '98, and that was one of those things where we talked about how one guy was out of position, and that one guy being out of position made made a hole so big that a running back ran 60 yards for a touchdown just because that one guy was out of position. The team that makes the fewest mistakes will win means more than just that one play or that big play that we gave up. It means your alignment, your assignment taking care of your business, doing your job. So the team that makes the fewest mistakes, even individual players, that makes a difference. Fred, where is this when, – when you watched them last year, you have uh, – well, you've seen some spring camp, I'm, I'm sure. Um, where is this team defensively in terms of talent level compared to where they need to be? to topple Georgia and, and win an SEC or national title? How, how close or how far are they? I think we're closer than what we used to be, but <laughs> you can never have too much talent. I think we need more. Yes, I think we need more on the defensive line, and I'm not taking a shot at any one position or one group or 
players or anything. I think our linebacking core is pretty good. Even though we lost a few guys, I like Beasley. I think Beasley's going to be one of those guys could be a first day or second day guy in the draft. I think he could be up for the buck as he should be. If you're, you know, you came back, you played all this time. I think you have an opportunity to be that good. Um, I like to see Tyler Barron take that next step and turn that corner. I think this could be his year. Um, it just depends on what we have, you know. It depends on who and the scheme we run it helps, but also the offense we run helps. But depth on defense, I think that's one thing that we've been hurting from a while for a long time. For the last five, probably five, six years, we've been hurting on depth on the defensive line. Um, and that's something you got to have some more. And we talked about this also in that Celebrate 98. Yo, you guys go check that out, by the way, on YouTube. Celebrate 98 is doing very well for us. Um, but it tells a lot of different things about how we had a, a nice rotation of defensive linemen. They never got tired. So – if you, had a, if you have a good rotation, your guys don't get tired. You only have to play so many plays, and that's it. And you tap your head and you come on back out. I mean, I think you look at the, the, the teams that are winning the national championships right now. You look at Georgia, won the last two back-to-back championships. That defensive line was interchangeable. You could take any one of those guys out and rotate those guys around, and they were still going to be good. I think if you can do that in, def- in, in college football and have a defensive line that you can rotate, you have a great chance of winning the national championship because they control the line of scrimmage. Fred, uh, you you know this more than most people because you played safety. How underrated of a loss is Trey Flowers in the sense that he seemed that he he didn't like make a lot of splash plays like a Deion Grant last year, but he seemed like he covered for a lot of other issues in the secondary. And how is Tennessee going to be able to go about addressing that this year? I think I mean you, you're correct. Flowers did make up for a lot of mistakes the guys made in the, in the secondary, and I'm kind of a little bit upset he didn't get drafted. I think he had to play in positions where he had to make the game saving tackle or the touchdown saving tackle sometimes, or things like that. But I think I like McCullough being back. I think that helps. Um, I think the secondary is going to have an opportunity to show what they can do. I'm looking to see what Willie Martinez does with these new group of guys that he has in. I don't know exactly exactly where we're going to stack up, but I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. I'm waiting on summer camp to get started so I can go see what we have for our talent. And I like to go see practice for myself. And um, we have a nice receiving core that is going to challenge them every day. And if you're getting challenged like that, you should get better every week. You mentioned linebackers, Keenan Pilly. Did you get much of a feel from him? um, The transfer from BYU? I've watched a little bit of film on him. I just haven't seen enough to understand, you know, what type of player he is just yet and how he fits into our scheme. Um, I just, like I said, I want to be able to go watch some practice firsthand or go watch a seven-on-seven that they do in the summer just to kind of see for myself, okay, this guy has it. Or, you know, I don't know what he is yet. But I'm looking forward to seeing it with my own eyes. Watching someone on film in the, in the Pac-12 and watching them in the SEC might be a little bit different. Well, that's – that's true. Can can you imagine like you've said before, you don't count on freshmen, which is totally correct and I 100% agree with. But can you imagine being in a situation that almost every school is that needs a hole to fill and you've got a new guy that has to fit in chemistry-wise and scheme-wise with this transfer rule? How challenging do you think that would be because you guys grew up together. You knew each other 
mm-hmm. through thick and thin, up and down, one side, the other. And then suddenly imagine saying, okay, well, you need a new uh, linebacker. This guy's going to come in and he's probably going to start. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't think you win your position in the media. I don't think you win your position just because you signed. It's what you do when you come in. If you're a guy coming in from the portal, you need to go out and do, be extra, honestly. You go out and do more than what everybody else is doing. Go out and show what your work ethic is like, and you fit in. You don't. They don't have to fit in with you. You have to fit in with them because you're coming to their team. And you have to follow their rules, too, because they have their own rules. So I think the guys that are coming in, it makes – the guys that are that are already here, they look at you and say, let me see what you got. Let me see what you can do. You come and show me what you can do. You don't come in with accolades already and think, okay, well, I'm this and that. No. You don't come in and talk no trash. You come in and you get the job done first, and then you have a say. Don't come in talking because you come in talking, we're going to have to deal with you. And make sure you understand that this is our team. You came to our team. We didn't come to yours. Interesting. So – it really is up to the individual transfer. And we, we saw one player come in at running back in August and mm-hmm. he was quickly jettisoned. Um, yep. Yeah. If you don't have the right attitude. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to be accepted and you're not going to be a factor. That makes a lot of sense. Exactly. That, that's whether you're a transfer or whether you're a freshman, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I can go back to when I was a, a freshman and you didn't have much say. And we had a guy by the name of Don Walker that came in from um, North Carolina State. And I'll never forget this. And when, when we talked to Don, we got an interview coming up with Don Walker, which you guys is going to be, it's going to be amazing, by the way. Um, but Don Walker came in as a uh, transfer from North Carolina State. And everyone who comes to the University of Tennessee back then had to go in the cold tub. We, we, that's the rule. At the end of camp, you got to get in the cold tub, and we're going to toss you in it. And you're going to let us do it, or you're going you're gonna to go by <laughs> – you're either going to go willingly or you're going to go by force. And that was our rule. Whether it was a new coach, if you change positions as a coach, whatever it is, anything new, you go in the cold tub, plain and simple. The willingly tub, or by force. What's the cold tub? It's the cold tub. It's an ice bath. It's a big old tub with ice and water and everything, and we toss you in it. You either go willingly or you go by force. If you go willingly – you're good. Everybody's going to be okay with you getting there. Ain't nobody, you know, it's going to be no issues. We're not going to rough you up. But if you don't and you want to go by force, don't worry. We will force you in. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> well, Sounds like a hazing moment. It does. Well, I recently heard from – I can't remember if it was Jake. I, it might have been Cooper Mays on our Vol Report. And he said there's a no fighting rule. Um, mm-hmm. But you guys, you guys scrapped a bit. We did, but it was over with once you were done. Once the fight was over with, that's it. So Don Walker comes in as a freshman, well, as a transfer, and I remember him saying, I'm not a freshman. I'm not going in. Oh. And I just remember looking around the room and all the defensive linemen were like, who's got him? And Ron Green, who's the strongest guy on the team, was like, I got him. And they get into a tussle, and Ron Green puts him in the full Nelson, and he walks him back to the cold tub. Darwin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Darwin was one of the strongest players too. I yeah. remember, yeah, Ron was incredibly strong too. But Darwin, I Ron think, was, is... I think Ron was the strongest guy on the team. Ron was the strongest guy on the team before Darwin got there. Ron was the strongest guy on the team when Darwin came. That's don't worry, yeah. we got an interview coming up with Ron Green too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fred, right, Fred, how much? 
I know, obviously, there is still you have to accept your role when you're a newcomer or a freshman. But how much would you say things have changed since you were playing where it seems like a lot more newcomers and freshmen see the field just immediately? And it seems like the coaches are a lot more willing to have them see the field. Does there seem like there's a little bit less pay your dues now than there used to be? I don't I hope I don't want to say that because if that's the case, then sometimes you might be putting a guy on the field who shouldn't be on it. I feel like your job is worn on the football field and not only on the football field, but in the weight room and those type of things. That is the one thing I got to, you know, if you can't play, I don't want you on my field. I'm not, and you're just giving something, somebody's going to have a problem with that. Plain and simple. In my locker room, if I'm on that football team, I don't know how these guys work, but my thought process as an athlete, if a guy comes in, he has to beat me, not be given anything. If you're given something, then you're setting the wrong precedent because you're going to have guys on your football field who shouldn't be on it. Yep. Um, we had a, on the message board, if there's any, if anybody else you want me to ask Fred about, I'll, I'll throw it at him, but uh, hurry up because he's, he's got to run. But um, one of the quotes that stood out most from spring camp to me, you talk about fitting in is Gabe Judy Lawley, who is a defensive back and is also a transfer. And he basically said, um, I'm willing to play wherever I came here to be a part of something and he didn't come out just and say it, but it mm-hmm. read like, I don't really care if I start or not. I want to be a part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have a, a thought on his playing ability yet, but I thought that was a really, really strong message that he sent. I think that's a guy who come, who's coming in and saying to, to, the, to the group that, look, man, I came to help you guys win. I yep. came to come and win. And regardless of where my coach wants me to play or what he what, what kind of scheme we're playing or what he's trying to get me to do, I came to help you win. I'm all the way bought in right now. So that says a lot for me. And that I'm 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 happy to hear him say that. It was good stuff. Uh Fred, again, how do people get a hold of you if they need some fantastic all state insurance? Because all state has better hands than you did. <laughs> yes. But you know what? When I got all with Allstate, you're all in good hands now. I guarantee you. You put my hands with Allstate's hands, and you got some great hands. I guarantee you. <laughs> well, you can give us a call at 770 381 0367. You can also look us up online at fredwhiteallstate.com. Um, just Google us, Google Fred White Allstate, as well as Instagram, Facebook. We're on, we're on every platform. So, we're not, as Deion Sanders says, we're not hard to find. <laughs> no, nobody is nowadays. I, it sounds egotistical, but I had this meeting with somebody else and they couldn't understand me on the phone that it was off the hook sports.com. I said, just Google me. <laughs> Google me. Yeah, it's, Google like, me, baby. Like Shaq said, I mean, it sounds egotistical, but nowadays we, we can find you and you can find Fred and you'll be in good hands. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Red White, always appreciate it. A football Friday with Fred. I want to steal that hat. That is tight. It's time for today's tough question. Today's tough question brought to you by our friend Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. And, man, a lot happening that's uh, good stuff for the Vols. Today's tough question is now. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. I'm going Omaha, 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 Caleb. So I'm going to 
just totally catch you out of left field. This is not what we went over in our 315 production meeting. This is a totally different today's tough question because Fred. Y'all notice our production meeting gets earlier by the hour every day. Yeah. <laughs> 315 on Memorial Day as we prepare for Tuesday. By the way, we'll be off on Memorial Day. Have a blessed weekend. And on a very serious uh, note, thank you so much um, for those that have served, in particular, uh, the families that have uh, lost uh, loved ones. Uh, just uh, let's not rem- let's not forget this isn't Lake Day. It's Memorial Day. OK, it's not Pool Day. It's Memorial Day. So. Uh, thank you for giving the ultimate sacrifice. But uh, today's tough question it revolves around a lot of news that comes out of uh, Tennessee. Uh, and this is not a particularly newsy time, especially with the baseball team bowing out early at the SEC tournament. But today's tough question is this. I ask you between these three and fill us in on the message board. What's the bigger story? Is it McKenzie Milton the UCF quarterback who played for Josh Heupel, who will now be an analyst slash assistant on the staff, one of those Nick Saban-type roles. Is it uh, the announced sellout of season tickets, or is it Tennessee winning the Champions Cup? And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, realestate.com. 40 years of experience in real estate in Knoxville. Andy Mason, realestate.com. Love it, and Andy Mason We'll save you money with the best service, best prices, best service, andymasonrealestate.com. What's the bigger story between those three? Rank them for me, Caleb Calhoun. Okay, well, the least big story is the Champions Cup. That is hilarious to me because, I'm sorry, yeah, that involves a lot of sports and everybody's like, oh my God, my school has graded all these little sports. Okay, let's be honest. You only care about football, basketball, and if you're Tennessee, women's basketball and baseball and maybe softball. That's about as far as it goes, those five sports. Okay. And... So I'll go ahead and tell you, we see this completely opposite, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Doesn't matter. That's fine. You go for it. Would you, Tennessee fans, would you trade in a champions cup for a national championship in football? Yeah, you would. Okay. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's a different argument. All right. So rank the three, you got the sell out and you get McKenzie. Number number two, I'm going to say the sellout, but here's why. Just hear me out. The sellout would be the biggest story, but we had already knew that Tennessee was on the trajectory for this when we covered this a month ago. This was something we knew was going to happen based on how they were already shattering numbers. So this isn't as big of a news story to me now because it was it was a big news story to me a month ago. And so it's not it, it doesn't stand out as much now. I think number one is Mackenzie Milton. I think Josh Heifel may have been looking for his future offensive coordinator. In that I mean, this is a big pickup, and Mackenzie Milton played under Scott Frost, Mike Norvell, and Josh Heupel, and he probably had his pick of the litter to be an analyst somewhere, and he chose to come work for Josh Heupel. That's that's although Scott Frost is no longer coaching, but you get the point. It's still right. a pretty big deal that he picks Heupel. I think the Champions Cup is is the biggest of the three, and I'm going to tell you why because. I think that that proves that Tennessee's relevant in a lot of sports. I still remember, and it changed kind of my mindset on the Lady Vols and non-revenue sports when Terry Fair said that he got, I've told you this, he came to Tennessee because he saw the Lady Vols uh, on television in the Final Four in Arizona. So I think it's proof that Tennessee's relevant in a lot of different sports. You get a ton of free advertising by being in these bigger events, especially non-revenue sports like the college world series or the playoffs. And it would have been nice if Tennessee would have gone further in the uh, SEC tournament. 
you have softball, you have all of that. So I do think they're more relevant maybe than you do as providing free publicity, kind of like how Elon Musk talks about he's going to start advertising and then they run all kinds of stories about him running advertising, which is essentially free advertising. So if you win, then you you get free advertising. You, I mean, you don't have to recruit quite as hard. A guy like Terry Fair says, well, man, look at those balls. I like the orange. I'm going to go there and ends up being a first-round pick and an all-SEC player. So I think that's number one for that reason. Number two is Milton, and that's what Travis on our uh, message board says as well. Number two is Milton because, and I would be exactly opposite of this if this is a defensive-minded coach like Nick Saban. I think it was important for Nick Saban to bring in offensive minds that were different from him, like Lane Kiffin. I think the opposite of Josh Heupel. I think Josh Heupel needs to bring in the same offensive minds because his offensive plan is going to work unless there's a significant rule change. And yes, I think he's lining people up. So as guys get better jobs and they move on as coordinators somewhere else, or they move on as head coaches as Alex Golish did, I think Milton uh, does climb up that ladder. I agree with you. I also think those analysts provide more insight during meetings than a lot of people think. Um, You know, I think that Alec Ablin had a say in some of the more innovative plays last year that uh, Tennessee ran. I think that there's a good chance Milton will as well. And let's be real honest, even though it's an NCAA violation, most schools have those guys run out on the field and coach, even though they're not supposed to. So you've got a guy that really knows the offense if they decide to do that. Not that anybody would. Not that Alabama closes practice for a particular reason. Not that 38 offensive analysts run out on the field for Alabama. I'm just saying. So, Caleb, that's how I would rank them. The sellout really meant nothing to me. I thought it was going to happen. I didn't know if it was going to be May the 25th, April the 25th, or June the 25th. But it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, the sellout thing is the news of the sellout was when it when we saw how ahead of schedule Tennessee was a month ago. It's it's nothing now. I'm with you on analysts, and it's kind of open too with Tennessee as an open secret. Kelsey Pope, when he was promoted to receivers coach, it was well documented that Kelsey Pope turned Cedric Tillman into a thousand yard receiver. He worked with him on the field in practice regularly in developing him. So it was pretty obvious. I agree. And it for the record, I got to side with Nick Saban on this when he does this. Nick Saban is right, too. He's complained for years that there aren't more staff members allowed for football teams. And I didn't even think about the numbers until he brought it up. But an assistant coach, if you divide up the players per assistant coach in football, an assistant coach is responsible for more players in football than in any other sport. And it's not even close, really. I mean, in basketball, you got, what, four coaches and 12 to 15 guys on a roster, right? Yep. So. You're talking three to four guys per coach. You got like a hundred guys on a roster and you're allowed 10 staff members. That's insane. And okay. that doesn't even count the scout team and the, and all of those guys. Um, I got to ask you this though. Let me play devil's advocate. Is this staff too inbred? I mean, could it use. You're asking if Tennessee is too inbred. You know how many. <laughs> I knew you would get, I knew you'd roll with that, but is it, is it too inbred from a philosophical standpoint no i don't think so i don't think so i think 
I think it's it's working too well right now. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think defensively too, when you have a Garner who's kind of an old school guy, and then you have a Banks and a defensive line coach, defensive coordinator, respectively. I think that they have different approaches. That's where you probably want to have some fresh ideas in there because they are having to complement an offense that runs a kajillion plays every game. But I don't see that right now. I don't see that it's too inbred at all. I think that bringing in Milton was a very positive thing, but I thought I would throw that out there. And uh, Now, by the Fulmer, way, on the other hand, I would say when Ful- that that's what did Fulmer in is Tennessee was too inbred towards the late 90s, early 2000s. I think they just – after so Cutcliffe left. After Cutcliffe, yes. They were well, so obsessed that, with in-house. Well, that the, the, they were, I agree. Randy Sanders was an easy decision, and in retrospect, it wasn't the right one, even though you're talking to the guy who sat down with him and his dad at a Cracker Barrel, cracker barrel and wrote how he might be the next head coach at Tennessee, and that was the 2005 season. So obviously that didn't – or the 2000 – yeah, 2005 season. So obviously that didn't go very well. Um, you know, I, I think that – Fresh ideas are good, but I think everybody being on the same page is good. And I think Milton will bring some new ideas. By the way, uh, you, somebody said they've got to go. I had a great, have a great Memorial Day weekend. We appreciate that. We got an app. Got an app. We'll go where you go. So uh, download the app. We appreciate that. And coming up, Tennessee's huge monster, huge, as some guy named Donald Trump likes to say recruiting weekend is just uh, going to be magnificent magnificently awesome for uh, the balls i believe uh, we'll get to that magnificently awesome you know what in 20 years of broadcasting i think that's the first time i've said that i think i need to drop that one i don't think that one's any good magnificently just go, awesome just go all over trump go tremendously awesome tremendously fantastic tremendously fantastic, fantastic. believe me it's unbelievable <laughs> The, the recruiting weekend. It's unbelievable. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that it's the best recruiting. And Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El numero 87, Jacob Warren. I'm just doing six of my sauce 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man. I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craven Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Kate is we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program. If we're complicated people. I am what I am. And now I gotta do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. 
At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Yes, huge. Huge. Major recruitments. They are kind of like December and January back in the day. Clearly, the early signing period settled in. What about uh, seven years? Is that about right, Caleb? That the early signing period uh, that we early signing period started in tw- the same year Tennessee hired Pruitt, so it would have been twenty eighteen. Okay, I feel like sometimes when you look stuff up for me, I'm like Theo Vaughn. Uh, Riley, check out uh, what a pigeon does when he needs to uh, play darts. You ever watched Theo Vaughn? No, sorry. Another reference that I don't get from Dave Hooker. Fine. You're not missing anything. Okay, here we go. So the uh, 865 Live Recruiting Weekend is going to be star-studded. Let's look at some of the prospects. Let's start with four-star running back Peyton Lewis. Now, Tennessee might have a special tailback on campus, and Dylan Sampson, who may be a little light to do that, or we've talked about Cam Selden as well. But a special running back, not to take anything away from Jalen Wright or Jabari Small, would really change things, turn a three-yard gain into a five, a five into an eight, and some eights into 80s. So Tennessee could use that. And somebody could step on campus, thought it might be Justin Williams Thomas last year. He couldn't see a hole if it was yelling at him. And Peyton Lewis could be that guy. Pretty good name, too, if you figure in the Tennessee heritage of Peyton and Lewis. Oh, the, the, the greatest backfield of all time in 1997, Peyton Manning and Jamal Lewis. Like, it's got to be the greatest college football backfield ever. Like, you just tell somebody Peyton Manning and Jamal Lewis were in the same backfield on a college team. It's like, that's crazier than telling people that John Henderson and Albert Hainsworth lined up next to each other. But, yeah, I I, I wonder how they're going to use him. You know, he's, what, what is he, like 6'1", 190, and... I, are they going to use him as an all-purpose back, or are they going to try to get him to put on more weight to be more of the Jabari Small 20 to 25 carry back? Because in Josh Heupel's system, that duh, that is a crucial question. It's not your typical – if it's a pro-style system, you can just plug a running back in. But I think with with what, Josh, with what Josh Heupel does, you need your running backs to fill specific roles. He might be the next Dylan Sampson, because I don't think that Dylan Sampson 
from what I hear, is going to be on campus after 2024. I think he's that good. Um, so, yeah, it takes a year to kind of get up to speed from pass protection, all that sort of thing. And I think that Dylan Sampson has a big year this year, may have a decision to make in 2024. Now, the, pe- the person that people are really excited about, and they should be, is five-star linebacker Sammy Brown. Uh, five-star has visits slated for Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. He's from Jefferson High School in Georgia. That would be absolutely huge if Tennessee is able to land him. Yes, Tennessee needs to roll out the red carpet for Sammy Brown. He already perfect size, 6'2", roughly 220. I've heard some rumors that Clemson might be in the lead right now. And if there's any reason for Tennessee to roll out the red carpet for Sammy Brown, it's to not have him go to Clemson. That, I mean, again, Tennessee needs Clemson to fall apart as a program, even more than Georgia to a certain degree. And so you can't afford to lose. If you lose Georgia guys to Georgia, okay, happens. You lose Georgia guys to Clemson, you're in a bit of trouble with Tennessee. They need to go all out for Sammy Brown. All out. Orange carpet, as I just saw on the message board. Yes, roll out the orange carpet for Sammy Brown. I was waiting for that. Four we need star. some link given hostesses to come back if we need to. <laughs> if they need Another to. guy that could be the next Dylan Sampson is Boo Carter, although I – think he's going to play corner but he's listed as an athlete now four-star guy Brainerd this would be a huge get for Tennessee now I do have a little bit of concern how he left uh, his original high school in the fall and ended up at, at Brainerd I'm going to look into that a little bit more but uh, physically you look at the guy and he's he's got what you want out of a versatile athlete prospect yeah, and I think it's pretty obvious they're going to plug him into the secondary, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, which is exactly what Tennessee needs at this point. So, and if, if you guys have looked back and tracked, Dave, I don't, you've covered recruiting longer than I have, but at least since I've been covering recruiting, the best cornerbacks I've seen in college were all, almost all of them were recruited as athletes, particularly Tennessee. They were listed as athletes more often than they were listed as cornerbacks. Uh, especially, yeah. I mean, it usually means you can't catch. Right. So, um, you know, Rashad Baker would would certainly fit that mold. I think Jabari Greer was a athlete. Um, There are natural corners that you would love to have, like Jalen Ramsey, who was out of the mid-state area. I mean, he was going to play corner. There was no question about it. Um, Our own Fred White was a cornerback. A lot of people don't realize they got him there and said, hey, we've got a lot of cornerbacks. You need to eat. And put on weight and get bigger and play safety. He's like, I really don't want to. It's too bad. Okay. Um, and then four-star linebacker Edwin Spillman. Um, he is out of Lipscomb, Tennessee Academy. You, you and I have, uh, I think, like a pending silent wager about how the mid-state will be able to support Tennessee's football program. You don't think there's going to be a lot of guys out of Nashville. And history would support that. I think it's a matter of time until Nashville is a recruiting hotbed that Spillman would be a big pickup either way. And just so people know, when the show was over yesterday, I went down a list of just random mid-state guys, and I'm like, hey, Dave, remember covering him? Remember covering him? And Dave's like, oh, yeah, he was highly talented. He was awful. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not arguing with you the production of it at all. Uh, one, one guy that we kind of forgot was Jalen Reeves-Mabin. Yes, we did forget about Jalen Reeves-Mabin. That is true. Yeah, because he, he's he listed as – I thought of that yesterday. He's listed as Clarksville a lot instead of the Nashville area. So um, that would but have been – I, I would 
I would still go in on Edwin Spielman. I would. I mean, I, I think a four-star linebacker, again, yes, mid-state underachieves and is overrated, but, you know, typically four-star mid-staters, they're usually some, they, they usually can fill a roster spot. Yep. And then Daniel Calhoun, no relation that I'm aware of, but Daniel Calhoun is a four-star offensive lineman. Now, he's got official visits set up to Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Auburn. This is one of those it guys. So I'll make recruiting really simple for you. Instead of five stars and all that nonsense and all the rankings and stuff that uh, people get caught up on, I'm going to make it real simple for you. There's anywhere guys, somewhere guys, and nowhere guys. There's guys that can go anywhere they want. There's guys that can go a few places. And there's guys like me that couldn't go anywhere. So he is an anywhere guy and you've got to win some anywhere guy battles against the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. And you would think Tennessee uh, has an opportunity to land him. Um, but you kind of got to, you kind of got to prove it. Um, he's out of the state of Georgia. This would be the equivalent. I'll just go ahead and tell you, this would be the equivalent of a cozy Coleman type to get him out of Georgia, a guy that Georgia and Alabama really want six foot, six and a half. He's 255 pounds. So he's going to put on weight, Caleb. But the fact that he is lighter makes him a better fit, in my opinion, for Josh Heupel's offense because uh, they like people to be able to move their feet. So I, I, I can't bet on Tennessee getting a highly rated guy right now out of Georgia when Alabama and other teams want him. But I'll tell you this. I can definitely say that uh, Tennessee is in the running now, and I don't think they would have been in the running two years ago. Yeah, and what, the, the thing with Daniel Calhoun, and you're right, they have a factor they can sell, which is their offense may be a better fit for him. Although, isn't he listed at like 330 now? I, I, I don't know his exact weight. Check that. We may have that. a typo in our story. I'll, uh, I'll let you check on that. Um, yeah, let's see. I mean, he would be a monster. Yeah, he's listed. He would. He would. He's listed at 330, but that, that's not a big deal because if you're 330 in athletic, I mean, Darnell Wright was 330, and homeboy can do backflips. And so I, I think that that – I don't know if he's that athletic. I will say this. Rivals Futurecast already has him has him unanimously going to Georgia right now. And so I think – I do think you have to weigh how – what are my chances of getting this guy out of Georgia? And I, I don't know if Tennessee has as much of a chance to get this guy out of Georgia. I, I, I don't think Alabama does either, honestly. And so we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, but in all fairness, you would have said the same thing about Deion Grant and Cozy Coleman. And as I learned from talking to Deion earlier this week, you know what spurned that is that Georgia was not high on Jamal Lewis. So that's why the three came to Tennessee. So a lot of other things could be at play, and that's Josh Heupel's job is to find those little niches to wedge Tennessee in there, right? Yes, but it's also, isn't it a little bit easier when you're a top 10 program and the other program is completely floundering because they have, as Steve Spurrier once said, Ray Goof as head coach. <laughs> and, you know, as opposed to being a program that just won back-to-back -back national titles. Followed up by Jim Dumlin. <laughs> I never See heard what that we did one. there? We're, we're ripping. All right, so uh, let's continue rolling. Uh, Cameron Fountain of Youth is will be at uh tennessee he's got an official set for uh knoxville on june the 23rd but he'll be in knoxville this weekend he's also out of georgia 
So there's a theme here. Tennessee is going after the Georgia prospects, and that's what they need to do. Uh, has a visit locked in with Southern California, and uh, that's according to our Caleb Giroux, who you need to check out his story. So that's a big deal to me that he would look at Southern Cal because you don't look at Southern Cal unless you're willing to leave the state of Georgia. So if you're willing to leave the state of Georgia, then you could leave the state of Georgia for Tennessee. So that to me is a factor if I if I look at it with my recruiting background. Oh yeah, they should definitely absolutely go after this guy, uh, Cameron Felton. It's not huge if they lose him. I think if there's one area where Tennessee's actually set themselves up pretty nicely long term, it's edge. I don't know if you I don't know how you feel about that, but I actually think they've done a pretty good job recruiting edge rushers to this point. Totally agree. Another four-star linebacker. I remind you, crafttreats.com. Crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. The promo code off the hook and get 20% off. You can go with their chill pills with the CBD derivative. Will help with your pet's arthritis, digestive issues, or anxiety. And also, they have non-CBD pet treats that are fantastic. Again, crafttreats.com. Use a promo code off the hook. Promo code off the hook for 20% off. Four-star linebacker Jordan Burns, the number 34 linebacker in the class. And this seems like a very gettable guy. Mr. Burns has just one confirmed official visit locked in with Arkansas. So maybe not as highly touted out of Pace Academy in Georgia, but he's he's a guy that I think that, that Tennessee has a real real shot at uh your thoughts on mr Bates? yeah he's a composite four star which is good news for tennessee and also according to 247 the only three schools with warm interest are arkansas auburn and tennessee now the red flag on that is does that mean that those are that that would suggest those are the only three schools he's interested in i would believe that the only reason those schools are the highest on his list is because georgia and alabama don't want him that much that's the only thing that I could really – because I feel like if one of them wanted him that much, he wouldn't have Arkansas and Auburn on that list. It is, no, and, but, that's, but that's okay because Tennessee is still going to take some of those guys. Jamal Lewis, who I just referenced, was a guy that Georgia was just warm on. And perhaps that's How because they, they had just a, warm on him? I didn't know that story until I talked <laughs> to Dion this week. You would have thought anybody would have rolled out the red carpet for Jamal Lewis. Like whatever you need to get to campus – yeah, I mean, they may have had a full backfield. They may have not liked something about his background. I don't know, but we're going to dive into that in the Celebrate 98 series with Dion. I was talking to Dion about a different project. But, yeah, that's why I never knew that until this week. But that's why the three ended up at Tennessee, and it changed the course of the SEC football history because if they go to Georgia, me with their coaches, they win a national title. But certainly Tennessee without those three does not win a national title. Definitely, definitely. And probably, yeah, no, all three of them. They need all three. Even Jamal Lewis. I know he got hurt, but they're not beating Syracuse without Jamal Lewis that year, honestly. And they may not beat Florida either. No, great point all around. All right, so two-minute break. And then coming up, uh, well, let's go ahead and do this. I meant to do this. Sorry, I'm all over the place today. It's been a wild morning. Uh, Four downs. We bring you four downs, and it's brought to you by our friends at Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four downs. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. I got my LASIK. I'm good to go. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, Hahn, local vision done right. 
and they do LASIK cataracts, but also have the individual eye service centers for your annual visit. And their clinics are fantastic. When it comes to LASIK, there's nothing like it. All right. First down, most coveted recruit this weekend is? Uh, it's pretty easy. It's Sammy Brown. Okay. I'm going to say no. Not Sammy Brown, partly to play devil's advocate, to be real honest with you. Um, But I will say, man, this one's tough. There's, there's no other real answer. Come on, Dave. You know, but let me let me give you this though. With Sammy Brown, I don't think Tennessee's ever going to be hurting at receiver. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, linebacker. So yeah, I'll go Sammy Brown. You talked me into it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean he feels I mean, linebacker. Linebacker still in need, and Sammy Brown is the most highly touted player on this group, and also. The fact that Clemson is targeting him. Yes. All right. Sammy Brown, hands down. All right. So second down. Uh, most likely to commit this weekend is? That's another obvious one, and it's Edwin Spillman. Okay. You think it's Spillman. All right. Third down. I will agree with that. It will be a loss if the Vols don't get blank. And I'm not talking about this weekend. Yeah, that was mine too. We're agreeing on all of them. Okay, (laughs) lastly, fourth down. If they don't get Boo Carter, it's a bad sign because he's from right down the road. All right, fourth down. Where do the balls need to rank in recruiting? At the end of this year, when we're in the first week of February, where did they need to rank nationally in recruiting? I think in the five to 10 range is, is okay. I, I know people say you got to have top five classes. I think that given Josh Heupel's scheme, given the way he uses the transfer portal, I think, and, and given honestly the underrated talent Jamie Pruitt brought in that is still there, I think they can afford a five to 10, particularly since they got their quarterback in the 2023 class in Nico. I'm going to go five to seven. I think they need to be in five to seven. I'm not willing to go 10. I mean, 10 could still be six best in the SEC with Texas. Um, that is true. For so, the record, had they not had that debacle like in South Carolina last year, we would be talking three to five because they'd have three four stars that are at South Carolina that would be at Tennessee right now. Pretty darn good point. Uh, two minutes why Tennessee has somehow risen in one ranking despite not even holding a formal practice. And also the Mount Rushmore of uh, Tennessee coaches. And I don't know that Caleb and I will agree on this, but uh, also Colorado uh, goes to the Big 12. So is the Pac-12 dead? Any interests from the SEC in those teams? Two minutes. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Explorer. Sun, sand, and saltwater. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air.
Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. When you want a hard cider that's easy to enjoy, one that's crafted to perfection, you need Tennessee Cider Company. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. With a selection of ciders free to sample, all it takes is one taste. Visit TNCiderCompany.com for more information, as well as to shop our ciders and merchandise online. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. If you haven't tried Tennessee Cider Company yet, you need to. It's fantastic. And they deliver. What about that? Thank you, COVID. I think you can deliver alcohol before then, could you, Caleb? No, I mean, it's <laughs> how, how are parents going to stop their 15-year-olds from drinking now? Maybe I know that they check your ID. Maybe. Yes, I'm sure they check your ID. <laughs> okay, maybe. Uh, well, well, they do that with, what is it, drunk? Uh, what is it uh, called? Uh, drunk hub. Or what's it called? Um, I don't know. <laughs> what's the I app told you, I... oh uh uber drunk if you oh, uh, order a box of wine they do check your id i've been told i don't know that i did i told you about that old clipping i saw right that it was a news clipping from 1980 bunch of guys saying it was when they were really starting to crack down on dui laws and it was in like california but like in some rural part of california and there were a couple of guys somehow had southern accents and they were like man pretty soon we're gonna be a communist country you can't open a beer after work when you're driving home <laughs> A roadie? I'm from that generation. Are you telling me you're not a you weren't a roadie guy when you were young? Don't know what a roadie guy is. What, One, for the road? <laughs> One for the road. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm the generation. I'll be real. I mean, I'll be real honest with you. I mean, I'm. I mean, back in the day when I was younger, I mean, those laws weren't pushed as hard, and you weren't at all intoxicated. Um, you know, if you drink half a beer on the drive home. It wasn't unusual for me to stop at a convenience store after a long week and sip half of uh, something on the drive home. And if you got caught, it was just an open container laws, like $100 fine. And, but no, I mean, I wasn't at all intoxicated. Well, now these dang commies won't let us drink and drive anymore. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> dang commies. I, I, I have heard stories from a generation previous to mine where the cops, this is for body cameras and everything, where they would say to you, they'd say, all right, here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to get behind you and follow you back home. Huh? So <laughs> the, the baby boomers, instead of a DUI, here's what you got. You got basically a parade back to your house. Man, why but you drove your vehicle. It wasn't even keep it on the side of the road and pick it up when you sober up in the morning. It was like, try to keep it in between the lines. And <laughs> if you wreck, we'll be behind you to help you. Now that's customer service. From the <laughs> that is. Well, the, well, then then the cabs and the Uber drivers were like, you're putting us out of business. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And yeah. And, and the police officer would say, do you need a mixer? No, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so, but let's get serious here for a second, or semi-serious, America, as Smoky Mountain Red said, and I agree completely. I, I don't even know that this is a what the H anymore, but I've got the element, and by golly, I am going to play it. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Good gracious, it is a Friday. Papa John says... That is protect and serve. Huh? A good one. Line of the day. Papa John, go ahead and just air. It's a line of the day. If you beat me um, at line of the day, I'm just going to hook you up with a shirt. So, Papa John, here's my email. Uh, You're getting a hooker shirt, which you're getting quickly dated by the moment as Hendon Hookers moved on. Maybe I could get some in gray and blue. All right. So, I don't know if this is a what the H or not, but Colorado is going to jump to the Big 12. Um, it Report seems weird, but not anywhere close to as weird as Southern California and UCLA moving to the Big 10. Um, I think this is a move that Colorado had to make. I think this probably this was probably discussed when Dion was making the move to Colorado because the Pac-12 is imploding or already has imploded. So... I don't know if this even qualifies for a, a what the H it. I mean, what choice does Colorado have when it comes to Pac-12 program? Colorado is borderline relevant, but I think the relevant ones would be Colorado, Oregon, um, Washington, maybe just because they're in the Seattle market. Yeah, but I'm not a TV market guy. I mean, you might be right. By some people's standards, I don't. I'm not a TV market guy. I'm like best product on the field guy. Okay, then probably Utah has a pretty good market. I mean, they won back to back Pac-12 titles. Um, a good. Product. They have a pretty great. Yeah, they have a good. They have a great following in Salt Lake. I mean, again, Utah, Salt Lake City drew more for the Pac-12 title game than LA when Utah played USC last year. Okay, so I would, t- me personally, I would take Utah over Washington, even though you might have a slightly smaller fan base just because I think that Utah is a better football program and a more relevant football program. And you actually have a larger fan base, just a smaller market. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then I would say probably Arizona State, one of the Arizona schools. I don't know which one, but I think one of the Arizona schools you could probably take in there too. Yeah, I don't – I just – those non-football towns, one of the most non-football towns I've ever been to is that Phoenix area. I don't know if they even know football's going on half the time. I think they'd rather watch Kevin Durant shoot free throws on a Saturday. It's a, it's a, it's a radically fast growing area though. So I think they might 
start to care. Wasn't there was a period, wasn't there in like the nineties where either Arizona or Arizona State? I think it was your Tennessee won it. Like they went like eleven and one or finished in the top five. Um but I think what's clear cut is Utah. And I mean, I but we're talking about this. I mean, does Colorado even count? Because Colorado's been a bottom feeder of college football for the last twenty-five years. So, Can I tell you another one of my um this is just how different it is. I'll tell you another one of my favorite recruiting stories that has to do with the Pac twelve as we have just veered wildly off of the topic is um Arizona State was recruiting a guy that ended up at Tennessee. And they go in there and they say, Hey, why would you want to go to Tennessee? They have too much talent. You'll never play. And it hit the young man wrong as it should. They're basically saying you're not good enough to go play at an elite place. So instead of him being disrespectful to the coach, he walks in the other room. And if you thought hard enough, you can probably guess who it is, but he walks in the other room and he tells his mom, his mom comes out and says, you get the H out of my living room. If you don't think my son's good enough to play at Tennessee, then you don't respect his ability. You're no longer recruiting my son. And he was going to go, to Arizona State before that moment. I think I know a very prominent Tennessee football player. Yeah, I think we mentioned his name in this very program. Oh, I was thinking somebody else. No, okay, wait. Were you, it were rhymes you with Randolph? Harry Bear. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. A hooker shirt. Who can tell me what prospect I'm talking about? Rhymes I was with, gonna... Who are you going to say? I was going to say Josh Dobbs because he was committed to Arizona State for a minute. No, this guy lived in Arizona. Raynock Thompson lived in Arizona. No, no, know. no. He was a prospect. He's from Arizona. Rhymes, yeah, with, Harry, rhymes with Harry Bear. Why is my mind drawing a blank? I don't know. I, you don't want to kick myself when you tell me. He was an all-pro first-round pick. All SEC twice. Terry Fair. Terry Fair. Terry Fair. Thank you. Smoky Why, what Mountain is wrong Red. With my mind, what is wrong with my mind today? Terry Fair. Wait, Raynock Thompson played for the Cardinals. That's right. He's not from Arizona. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. I got that. I think he's from South Carolina, right? I think so, actually. Um, you mean do my Theo Vaughn thing again? Uh, Riley, <laughs> if you could check out uh, what makes Raynock Thompson a guy from South Carolina. Uh, that's no, in- he's from LA. He's from Cali. Oh, Raynock is? Right. Yeah. Oh, so I guess, I guess back to the point, though. <laughs> i tell you one thing about Raynock, and I will say this, and I mean this as a complete compliment, a guy that had zero respect for his body whatsoever because he was light, and he hit people extremely hard. And his body was just not meant for that kind of violence. And I mean that as a huge compliment. And also wasn't meant to about a body that does that shouldn't go play for a competent organization like the Cardinals that doesn't know how to look out for its investments. But I, I got he's I, from I the name that rhymes with Raynock Thompson, like Harry Bear. <laughs> he's he's from <laughs> Raynock is from LA, graduated from Louisiana. But I, I wanted to get back to Colorado for a minute because like we went way off. But the point no, was, off topic, me on a Friday. What are you talking about? The, Before the a holiday point, weekend, Caleb. The point with the Colorado story that's crazy is remember Colorado set in motion the entire breakup of the Pac-12 of the Big 12 just 12 years ago they left to join the Pac-12 that mean if for those who don't remember the Big 12 was the original Big 8 plus the four premier Southwest Conference schools Texas Texas Tech Texas A&M and Baylor 
And Colorado was part of that big eight rivalries with Nebraska. Nebraska goes to the Big Ten. Colorado goes to the Pac-12. So it's hilarious how the tables have turned. The question becomes what happens with the four corner schools? That's why I brought up Colorado, the two Arizonas, and Utah. And you know, Dave, Arizona is an AAU-affiliated school. So is Colorado and Utah. Do you think there's a chance that the Big Ten would go for them at all, or is there just no value that they bring? Could, would they would they draw the big would they would Utah or Colorado hold the Big Ten back? Would they be moochers rather than producers? Well, I think the Big Ten would go for the TV market route, like you mentioned, Washington. So, well, I think they were they were looking the TV market route, and then they decided last year that Washington and is just not worth it. That even with the TV market, Washington would just be a moocher, not a producer. No, that's fair. Um, I guess it depends what you want. I mean, would the SEC go after an Oregon? You know, they've, they've no. played they played them. Would would there be anything neat about that? I'm obviously grasping for straws to see. I'll make an argument. It would be neat to have a West Coast team. Uh, it would be you'd have another huge market. Blah blah blah. I still think it's stupid. I think the I don't think Greg, I think Greg Sinke has been very committed to one a level of congruency with the SEC and to keep it regionally based. The SEC's next move is into Carolina and Virginia if they expand. First of all, Florida State, the, ex, the SEC's next move is raiding the ACC. Whenever they're able to do that, and that may not be till 2036, but they're going to raid the ACC. It, within the next 20 years, you'll have schools from Virginia and North Carolina in the SEC. And I think if the SEC. Sorry? 20 years? Well, within – you got to – the ACC, that that – that deal they just signed to get the merit-based revenue sharing may be enough to keep them there till 2036. So is that signed, sealed and delivered the merit-based revenue sharing? Yes. As far as I am aware, given the fact that the schools have already, the schools have a handshake agreement. So I think it's going to, I think the ACC is going to sign off on it. And at that point, it wouldn't be worth it for a Virginia tech or an NC state to leave because I mean, that's a risk. There's you, not going to be an ACC. Uh, but, like we talked about yesterday, if you cut off those bottom teams and you pull some funds from them, they're going away. You're going to have a Wake Forest cut football. Yes, but they for Virginia Tech and NC, not Virginia Tech, but for NC State, it's not worth cutting that risk because if they leave right now, they may have a vested interest, even though they were one of the eight that would be willing to leave. They probably have a vested interest for Right now, it probably feels safer to do the merit-based revenue sharing and stay in the ACC because if they leave, they may not get an offer from somewhere else. Because they, I'm telling you this right now, if the SEC outbids the Big Ten for North Carolina because North Carolina is the most coveted school, not in one of those two conferences, if the SEC wins out on North Carolina, NC State is screwed. They can't go to the Big Ten. And the SEC is not going to go for NC State if they get North Carolina. Um, so, yeah. I, I just... I. I... I think what's going to end up happening is with this ACC deal, I feel like the top half's pushing the bottom half out. And this is just an easier way to do it than going full out civil war and making the conference defunct as they tried to do. I think they were one vote away. And listen, don't be surprised if some ACC teams like Wake cancel football. If they get money pulled from them, that's – the most they could easily sell is we're losing money at football. Let's go all in on basketball even more than they have. Uh, either way, I don't think it's 20 years. I think, I don't think that 
within five years, the ACC, I'll say within four years, the ACC, as we know, it will be gone. Completely. Okay, that's fair. I will say this. The question is, should the SEC just raid the entire ACC or just the schools they want to keep the Big Ten out? I mean, I think the SEC, I, 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 for instance, I don't think it's worth it to add Georgia Tech. But if the Big Ten is looking at Georgia Tech, you get Georgia Tech because that's where markets matter. You don't want the Big Ten in your territory if you're the SEC. So I think they should go for Georgia Tech, Florida State, Miami. I think they should go for all eight schools looking to lead, even maybe even Virginia. Keep the keep the Big Ten north of the of Washington D.C. <laughs> so Tennessee moves from number nine to number six in Bill Connolly's post spring SP plus ranking. Does that mean that they moved from six to nine? Like in, was there a post spring ranking that had them at six and then they moved to, or had them at nine and they moved to six without a, a formal practice? Or what What does this mean, Caleb? When was this the, made? Or is this just a poster? So the inaugural SP Plus rankings take in three, in, into account three things, which is returning production, recent recruiting, and recent history. The most recent one of these was done in 2000, excuse me, back in February. So you look at, you know, Tennessee did add um, a late addition to their recruiting class in Emmanuel Okoye, who's going to be in this class. So that upgrades them a little bit. Okay. On top of that, you still look at returning production, players who enter the portal. Tennessee hasn't lost really anybody to the portal that matters since that time. True. And so that is where you get the that is where you get them moving up to number six. They were and, and and by the way, for those who don't know, Bill Connolly was very, very high on Tennessee last year. He had them at number nine when most people didn't have Tennessee a top twenty-five program. So this isn't something to sniff at, really. And I think that the biggest thing here that Connolly does well is he does value returning production with recent history. What that means is returning production to him is only valuable if you've been successful in the past with that production. And, okay. and that's where Tennessee comes into play a lot because they, they still have returning production and they've had success with this production. Okay, so who are the teams ranked ahead of Tennessee right now? Uh, Georgia, even though they lost a lot, their recent history and their recruiting is just through the roof. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and Penn State. Okay. I can't argue with any of those except for Penn State. I just think James Franklin will find a way to mess it up, to be real honest with you. I don't think he's a good game coach at all. <clears throat> and I'm talking about the – You mean like when he burned two timeouts on a fourth and six to call a quarterback draw? That would be it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm talking about end of the year where they'll end up. So I, that's fine if if Bill's numbers add up to this and in, in Tennessee six. But uh, t- Tennessee being six, I think, is incredibly strong, especially when you look at the factors that I don't believe he is weighing in, and that would be schedule, right? I mean, he's not weighing that, and he's not predicting where they finish. He's predicting their strength right now, correct? Uh, correct. Correct. He's predicting their strength right now. It has nothing to do with strength of schedule or anything like that. That's what the FBI is for. But the, the, really the, the fear was that Tennessee might fall in the SP plus rankings because they didn't add a lot of elite talents in February and they rose. So this is a very, very big deal. And 
Look, the team right behind them is LSU. Then there's Oregon, then Texas and USC. And that rounds out the top 10. Florida State is number 11. Again, I think one of the hard parts with this recent history thing is you look at someone's record and where they finished ranked, but it's hard to determine if they, you know, yeah, Florida State finished 10 and three last year and finished ranked in the top 12. I don't think they deserve to be ranked in the top 12. I think their 10 and three would have been a six and seven in the SEC or even the Big Ten for that matter, because they played such a horrible schedule because the ACC is, I, Dave, you'll love this. There, Josh Pate had a great point, which he they were trying. People are trying to say that the ACC is better than the Big Ten because they have more playoff wins. Well, Clemson has all those playoff wins. Okay, take out Clemson, and the ACC is god awful the past seven years. Longer than that, I mean, yeah, you'd have to go back to what Vautech with Mike Vick making a run. That was when they were in the Big East, so that doesn't even count. <laughs> oh, you're right. It doesn't. I mean, other than Clemson, who the – Florida I mean, State in 2013. Early 2010s when Florida State and Clemson were both powerhouses. Okay. You could, yeah, Florida State is the obvious one. Sometimes Florida State feels like they – it just feels like they shouldn't even be in the ACC because of their history and being dominant at times. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think back. I guess Mac Brown – the first time at North Carolina had things going pretty good. Um, I think David Cutcliffe had Duke going at a competitive level, but there's a glass ceiling, of course, there when it's not basketball. So, yeah, I mean, other than Clemson in a generation, what do you really have? Nothing. And that's where I say that because the, the debate, oh, course, here's the question. Florida State and Clemson. I left them out again. Sorry. And, and this is, a, and Dave, I would ask you that obviously the SEC just dominates everybody. Which gap is bigger? The gap between the SEC and the Big Ten or the gap between the Big Ten and the other Power Five conferences? Um, say that one more time. Okay, so the SEC has a, there's a huge gap between everybody and the SEC. It dominates every other conference. But which gap is bigger? The gap between the SEC and the Big Ten or the gap between the Big Ten and every other conference behind the Big Ten? Okay, based off what I saw last year, on the field, and this could change in a year. I'm not doing this really as far as a, a generational thing, which may be what you're driving at. Uh, but I would say factoring in a little bit of recent history, not just last year, I would say that, that, that the SEC is a 10, uh, that the Big Ten is an 8, and that the closest other conference, pick whichever one you want, is a 5. Okay, so the Big Ten is closer than the SEC than any other conferences to the Big Ten or the SEC, for that matter. Yes. I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah I would agree. and I think you could argue that the Big Ten last year was was a nine. And, and by the way, don't sleep on the Big Ten is getting, because of all this money with these TV deals, barring provided they can work it out, they're getting some really good coaches come to the Big Ten. I mean, Luke Fickle to Wisconsin was a great hire. Matt Rule to Nebraska is a great hire. Whatever you want to say, they're in the Big Ten. Lincoln Riley's at USC, and that was a heck of a hire. And Chip Kelly's still at Oregon. <laughs> and so it is funny how sometimes we overlook coaches in all these conversations. And if you got money, you can go hire a coach. Sure, you can pay NIL guys, but is there any one player that Tennessee's gotten through the transfer portal that is worth more than Josh Heupel? No, not at all. I mean, even Hooker and Milton were transfers, but still, would you? 
I wouldn't take just one over Josh Heupel. I don't know that you could come up with three transfers. If you wanted to lump together Milton Hooker and Dante Thornton, would you take them over Josh Heupel? Silly question because they don't get them without him, but. And Alabama, no one talks about this, but this was the only reason the SEC wasn't lapping the field in the 90s, because in the 90s you had a few other conferences, was because the SEC was probably the dumbest conference at coaching hires. They were so stuck and sticking within the family. And, oh, you know, you want the SEC guy. Alabama reset the standard with Nick Saban, didn't they? They said, hey, we're going to unload all the money we have to get the most high-profile coach we can get and not care what anybody says. And that that totally changed the trajectory of hiring coaches in the SEC. Nope, it it, it completely did. I uh, agree with you. Um, want to hit on something real quick. Um, one of the most incredible, coolest traditions. So I know there's a lot of younger people that that watch, uh, but I uh, I think it's one of the most overlooked amazing traditions that the Tennessee has and it's it's the retired jerseys and I'm not talking about Reggie White I'm not talking about Peyton Manning I'm not talking about Johnny Majors or Doug Atkins that they all deserve that but specifically referring to the players who lost their lives um in battle fighting for our country on this Memorial Day Bill Nolan Rudy Claire and of course Willis Tucker and Claude Fuson so um I I Again, this is not uh, Lake Day weekend. It's not Pool Day weekend. Remember those, because I don't know about you, Caleb. I I could not imagine being in some of those scenarios that those men were in, and in particular the the moments knowing that in some faraway land that you're not never going to see your family again. And what they did is there's there's no amount of of worth that can be put on that it's off the scale it's off the scale so think about those people and i know there are some out there because we've been in war times recently that have lost family members and uh, you know we just thank you and uh, thank them for their uh, ultimate sacrifice because that's what this weekend's about caleb yeah and i encourage people particularly as students of history to go look at what at the horrors of uh, losing people in war in any war, no matter when it is, it's awful and terrible. But look at the horrors of some of the battlefield conditions of World War II and, and things they were fighting on. It was just, I'll I, I tell you, you know, obviously during World War II, that was the time that the, the U.S. sided with the communists in the Soviet Union because they both had a united goal in taking out the Germans. Well, ask the soldiers who were in the Soviet Union who were having to fight the U.S. soldiers having to fight in the Soviet Union in the time, having to fight Germany in the Soviet Union. Well, apparently the Russians were indiscriminately brutal and didn't care. Even if you were on their side, on the Allies, they were so angry at the Germans for invading Russia. They adopted a scorched earth policy where they burned everything. And they said, we don't care if we die. We just want you to die with us. Hmm. And that's, that's how cool those things were. Yeah, Travis said on our message board, God bless America and God bless our veterans and God bless those families of those that their uh, family members paid the ultimate sacrifice. Have a happy Memorial Day weekend, but don't forget what it's all about. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off Doug Sports.